Hi, I'm Ur. I'm Tina. And I'm Mandrin. And welcome to Live Catholic Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Live Catholic Podcast. My name is Tina. I'm here in Florida, USA. And today we're going to be discussing a topic that is very close to my heart and super relevant for the church today. And that is fallen away Catholics, aka cradle Catholics, who have since left the church. Live Catholic Online is in the midst of discussing the four cardinal virtues, and today's topic is very related to all four virtues of prudence, justice, courage, and temperance. So with me today, um, I have my co-missionary, Pat Coronel, also a full-time pastoral worker here in the U.S. He recently has discovered a book specifically about this topic. It's called Return. How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church, and that is by Brandon Voigt. Welcome, Pat. Hello, Tina. Thanks for having me on to your uh, podcast debut. I'm super honored that you would choose me as your first guest. <laughs> yes, of course. You've been helping us out with Live Catholic for a good while now. It seemed proper. Um, but yeah, um, before we even just like dive into the book, um, into the topic and whatnot, um, what is it about this topic that um, hits you or why is it that you're even drawn to this book? Yeah, I mean, place? I saw the book on my Facebook newsfeed and I immediately bought Wait, really? it. really? Yeah, it was on, it was an act of God that it was a Facebook ad. And even, uh, yeah, the, there's some shipping problems. So the devil is trying to stop it from getting <laughs> but. Uh, because yeah, the book is, uh, the tagline is how to draw your child back to the church. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I think, uh, well, even you and I have talked about many times because we're, you know, young adult, adult Catholics, and we've both grown up with, uh, friends who have, uh, distanced themselves from the the faith or just they're out of practice, uh, uh, going to mass. Um, I think, the part, the thing that really stands out to me, I remember we were preparing for one of our conferences and, uh, you, Tina, were with, um, a lot of the, the parents or the couple coordinators in our ministry. And, uh, and this was not part of the plan, but I remember you're sharing with me that you're just led to really, uh, ask them to write down the names of, uh, their children or people they knew who, were distant from ministry, distant from the faith. And then in that moment to really just uh, together pray for uh, them to to return or to have an encounter with the Lord again. And um, I think uh, since then or moments like that is is where it really stands out uh, how much uh, hurt and mm-hmm. um desire that especially parents have for their kids to to stay close to god and to stay uh catholic and when kids uh, or distance themselves it's a painful thing and in that moment joining them in in those prayers like because i'm not a father but i really felt that the pain they were in so this book immediately like caught my eye of like wow if i could just be able to shed a little more light uh, for those um, uh, moms and dads uh, of how they could approach it. And what's been awesome is it, it's not just about hope 
uh, or about mm -hmm. just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. There's like real tangible steps in this book. So it's been a, a journey to go through it. Yeah, that's cool. I think that that's something that I haven't been able to identify specifically, uh, even though I can relate to this topic, be, like on on the church side of it, but also on the fallen away side of it. I don't think that I've ever like thought about it in such a structured way um, that could properly give sound guidance um, for the many reasons why people leave the church today. Unfortunately, it's not like so unrelatable you know like the reasons why people leave the church now are actually quite understandable um sadly but um i think that it's kind of in a in a certain way i feel like it's it's almost like a good thing that people don't want to just settle for just what they've always known um but they actually want to have conviction uh, and they want you know like to understand what they're doing so I feel like that's a silver lining, you know, that um, that exists for anybody that's fallen away from the church. Yeah, that's a, uh, actually that's a good point that uh, the author uh, brings up a lot is that um, a lot of these cases, uh, there's people still searching for answers in, in different ways or in different places. And so he says, if if somebody is searching, then it's actually not that not that far-fetched or that difficult to be able to really have a conversation that would lead them to some of the answers they're looking for in the right. Catholic church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you want to get into the content of the book? Yeah, sure. So I think there's two parts I wanted to share again. This is a whole uh, big book. So um, I would just encourage you to buy it. We're not sponsored by uh, them, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe in the future. Uh, there's two sections here. It's really cool. Uh, Brandon Voigt structures the book and he says right at the beginning, read it in order. Because you see a book like this, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church. And I just want to skip to the end. Like, okay, what's the answer? Just give me something to do. Help me yeah. do it. He has very in, uh, intentional uh, structuring of the book. So one of the first sections is six main types of fallen away Catholics. And just to make it real simple, and hopefully if you can relate to these, you've ever thought about uh, or felt uh, in these positions, or you know friends or uh children, etc., who might be in these positions, I think he is just saying it's so important to understand why Catholics leave the church. So in brief, there's number one, cultural Catholics. They're Catholics who have just grown up Catholic. And so they just do it out of the culture of their life. Like, and often they're just going on Sundays or they're just going uh, for Christmas, for Easter, but don't really see a need to dive deeper. So that's just cultural Catholic. It's just part of my culture. The shruggers are people who are just like, eh, when it comes to faith, you know, like I, I don't really see the relevance of faith or I don't see why it's so important. Uh, I've got, you know, a lot of other things I need to give my time to and just haven't really ever understood or, or seen a relevance to faith in their uh, daily life. Third is the spiritual but not religious. So those who uh, are still spiritual but uh, just don't find uh, a need for religion or for structured, organized religion. So they maintain the spirituality but don't see a need anymore for the sacraments, for mass, etc. 
last three. One is moral movers, people who move because of a moral issue. There's a belief that they hold or that they see that the church holds and they just can't reconcile it. Uh, you know, they, they disagree with it so strongly that, uh, they just, uh, distance themselves from the church altogether. Second to last, religious switchers. So people who switch religions uh, for many different reasons and to all different religions. And then the last is skeptics. So people who are atheist or agnostic, but just start to really doubt altogether the existence of God. And so those are the six types of fallen away Catholics. Yeah, that I feel like I can relate mostly to the cultural, or is it called cultural Catholic? Yeah, cultural um, Catholic. For sure. Um, I think, I feel like for a lot of us who are, uh, have uh, Filipino parents, um, I feel like their faith is so strong, but theology might not be, you know, or catechesis might not like be super strong. And so um, when you grow up in a place for us, specifically like in the Western world in America or you know, like um, there's a lot of diversity, like Catholicism isn't necessarily going to be what's being practiced by all of your uh, peers. Um, you kind of have to know answers and our parents don't always know the answers to all these questions. And so um, I feel like the whole thing of it just being part of like growing up and just culture and tradition, what I'm used to, um, that's super relatable. Uh, do you relate to any of the other of the six? Yeah, I mean, I think me too. Cultural Catholicism, that's, that's, I would just go because my parents forced me. Um, <clears throat> the one I think is biggest is uh, skepticism. Um, I went to like a Quaker high school and, and though not pretty much nobody was Quaker there, but I had lots of friends who were agnostic or atheist or they would share with me documentaries they watched about, you know, just skepticism about Jesus or about the Bible. And so I grew up like really questioning. I was in mass because my parents would make us go. But the whole time I'm questioning, I'm, I'm really skeptical about if any of this is even real. And so, you know, I had I continued down that path, I definitely would have been a fallen away mm -hmm. Catholic. Yeah, I think, well, also because uh, we've talked about this before, it's not like any fallen away Catholics just suddenly fall away but <laughs> there's always some sort of like seed you know planted of just like maybe you know i want to try something else or maybe this is like you know, that there's there's something there's something unsettling and there's something that's not resolved and not reconciled um in someone's faith to to give that like gap that like room to like move away from the faith yeah it's not like you just fall down a giant hole and then Alice in Wonderland, you can't get back out the hole. But I, it may be more like uh, little steps, you know, like three foot steps that you kind of fall down every now and then. <laughs> and so I think that's like for me, I, I, I was skeptical about my faith a lot, uh, even as even once involved in ministry, I think what kept me from falling completely was that there were people that I could really ask questions to um, mm -hmm. or, or really be able to voice out that like uh, 
I, I have doubts, you know, and it's so, it's so important that you preventatively, right? Not just like, how do I draw people who aren't Catholic anymore back to the church, but also seeing that like people in the church right now might be slowly falling away. And it's so important to create a safe space where you can talk about things like this. Are you having, you know, is there anything you're skeptical about? Are there things that you morally disagree with? Um, are there, you know, do you, are you sh sort of shrugging off the faith? And so just, uh, I think it's super important, just really understanding like what people really feel and believe. And often people feel like they can't say that because with family or in a ministry, you know, right. it just feels like taboo. You're just supposed to agree with everything. And so it's super important making safe spaces where people can voice out whatever questions they have or things they're wrestling with. And that's what, you know, you catch, catch people when they've only fallen six feet versus the whole, you know, Marianas Trench or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Marianas Trench. Um, yeah. I think the, having having people around you who um have the same questions sometimes like there's there could be a whole lot of people that have the same questions that you have but because everyone's keeping it to themselves then you can never explore it together right or um because your opinion differs from everybody else in in your community or in your church or whatever, um, you start, you already start feeling isolated from the church because you don't have that safe space. So I feel like having, having, um, the availability of those conversations without judgment, um, and with just like, you know, like with respect and compassion is like super, uh, important to have as a Catholic person, um, because I think this topic, we we have a tendency to think of like just people that we know that have already fallen away from the church, but all of us are at risk of this if we don't have that type of environment. Yeah, that's good. It, it also, it makes me think that uh, having that type of environment where you can really ex uh, talk about what you're struggling with. And I think that's important when you're approaching anybody who has already been distant from the church, that you're not mm -hmm. just coming to reconvert them or bring them back, but first and foremost, to create a space where you can really ask why and they feel safe enough to, sh or they trust you enough. Uh, they see the respect that you share with them and the love that they can really share an honest story with you which might be a difficult story that's filled with questions or filled with uh, personal hurts. Uh, but to again, Brandon Voigt's intentionality in putting this section like right at the beginning is that if there's someone that a child or friend that has fallen away from the church, you first need to just hear what their story is. Why are they distant from the church and, and for what reasons and how did that come to be? Um, so yeah, just taking time first, I think to listen to people is, is really what I take away from that section. Yeah. So what, what's the, what have been the big things about this book that have stood out to you? Yeah. The big things. Well, the second big thing is, uh, it's called the five big myths about fallen away Catholics. 
And again, this is still towards the beginning. So there, the, the real, uh, you know, a tangible approaches come later. But I, again, I think it's important that if we dig into this book, we do it per the organized structure that the author had. So this is only a foretaste. But I think it's important too this this part here, the five big myths, because sometimes too we just see people who are distant from the church, and then we have misperceptions about why or what will bring them back. So right. five big myths, like just like a YouTube video. Myth number one: <laughs> they'll come back eventually once they get married or have kids. And. Uh, after each one, it says the truth. The truth is, as young adults increasingly delay marriage and having children, the odds are low they'll return because of those events. Um, it says, for many young adults, taking a break from religion is a normal part of emerging adult life. They complete the initial sacraments, jump through the major hoops of Catholic religious education, and then settle down and pack away their religion until perhaps marriage and children come along. And so that was sort of you know, this belief uh, before and, and the trend, but it says, but will marriage and children really bring them back? Statistically, especially now, the answer seems probably not. People are getting uh, delaying marriage longer than ever, delaying kids longer than ever. So you have a, a literal longer period of time away from the church, uh, a longer period of time where you're no longer uh, coming to church on Sunday, no longer experiencing the sacraments, no longer being surrounded by other people and other families. And so uh, just saying, well, here it says as explicitly as possible, uh, marriage and childbearing are no longer reliable magnets to pull people back to the church. We can't count on them assuming they'll magically do all the work for us. Do you think that that um, that still applies in the context of like CFC um, having like a lay lay Catholic family ministry? Um, do you think that there's a higher possibility, I guess, that people would like come back to community because of having a family and kids? Um, that is a good question, especially since we are full-time pastoral workers of this family ministry, <laughs> and it would be pretty <laughs> discouraging to perpetuate such a myth, but I think it still is relevant. What's different is that CFC and each family ministry, I think the pull is that it's not that I need my kids to go through the sacraments, which is really important. But I think the very nature mm -hmm. of community is now that I am, for example, if I'm married, marriage is hard. I need another, I need other husbands or other wives to sort of, uh, Journey to build with. community yeah. around to, to give us advice. And so too, once I have kids, mm -hmm. the, the difference is right. Rather than I need to raise my kids Catholic, it's, I need other kids who can be mm -hmm. good examples for my kid. And <laughs> yeah, I need, yeah. you know, in a family ministry, bigger brothers and big sisters who could show my kid and, you know, be a good, clean, moral place to, to have fun and hang out and all that stuff. So I think that's actually uh, slightly different in a communal, in, in a community ministry aspect. But I will say it's not without having us having witnessed, uh, you know, many of our friends who are married and already have kids and are still uh, away from 
uh, community or from ministry. Great. Thanks. I just wanted, I was just wondering what your opinion was regarding that. Cause I, I have a tendency to think that way. Um, you know, like with, with friends who have gotten married, grew up in community with them, they've gotten married and having kids. And even, even with, um, my own family, you know, of just like, well, I figure, oh, once my niece gets to a certain age, they're definitely going to want like KFC for her, like youth for her or something, you know, it's like they're going to want that, you know, that village to help raise their family. So I fall into that myth mm-hmm. personally myself. Yeah, I think that's, it actually leads into the next one because you're right. It, I think it, a family ministry like for me, who, when it comes to the Catholic Church, I was already, honestly, as a young high schooler, I was falling away because I completely, I was, I was uh, super skeptical. Like, I, I didn't believe anymore. Sort of the gateway, the precursor to me, like, believing in, and fully adopting the Catholic faith was community. And then through a Catholic community, I became passionate about the Catholic faith. Myth number two touches on that, uh, which says, I took them to mass. I sent them to Catholic schools. That should have been enough, right? The truth, simply moving through Catholic institutions doesn't ensure that a young person encounters the Lord or develops a strong personal faith. Uh, throughout the 19th and 20th centuries, American Catholicism, this American book, flourished throughout institutions, uh, Catholic hospitals, Catholic schools, Catholic education classes, Catholic colleges. Most people would emerge as strong Catholics on the other side. That's rarely the case anymore. And then it says here in this uh, study at Notre Dame, they found there is no significant direct effect of attending a Catholic school on increased religiousness in emerging adulthood. Catholic high schools had, quote, little to no independent influence five years later on those who attended them. And then uh, this part here, this also uh, holds for attending mass too. Just as putting your children in Catholic schools isn't enough, so bringing them to mass, even consistently, isn't enough by itself to instill a deep lasting faith. The sacraments aren't magic. If your child received the Eucharist without adequate formation or was confirmed without the proper proper disposition, there's a good chance he may have not cooperated with the grace flowing from those sacraments. Yes. (laughs) 100% agree. Um, I'm not saying this is true everywhere, but I feel like, uh, especially because here in the States, um, Catholic school, like private school is expensive. I mean, I'm sure that it's expensive everywhere, right? Where you have to pay for an education versus just going to public school. Um, So uh, there's also the element of like private schools being a certain class, you know, like your upper middle or, you know, like middle, at least middle and up. And so the diversity, you know, like there's not as much diversity and you know, like it's education still. I mean, I didn't care about history growing up. Like when I was, you know, like in in school, I, I didn't really understand the value of it until I was older and like saw how it applied to real life. And I think the same thing goes as far as just like learning theology and catechesis in a, an academic setting is not necessarily going to teach you morality. Um, unless like 
morality specifically is like a is a topic um that you learn but i see that i mean um there's one of the unfortunately one of the schools that are most most despised in the district that i grew up in was a jesuit school because of the way they behaved on mm. the basketball court on the football field you know and things like that <laughs> yeah. that's crazy but yeah it is <laughs> it is yeah uh, well that's true growing up like I had a friend who would go to a Catholic high school and then yeah, she would say like, uh, nobody's Catholic or nobody like, you know, really fervently uh, practices their faith uh, as you would have expected, I guess, as a parent enrolling them and mm -hmm. paying that extra money uh, to enroll them in a Catholic school, which isn't to say right. you to we're not... Uh, discrediting catholic institutions right. but i think in the context of i send them to a catholic school they should come out catholic and never question their faith i think it's just really showing that that is a myth uh, statistically and then we just have some actual firsthand like witnessing of like yeah that's true some of our friends didn't at all yeah. come out of I a mean catholic high school being your super a lot friend. of and even some friends that went to you know like private schools in high school in retrospect you know like that the, they can attest to those same things too i mean they're great people that's not like they came out with no morals or anything like that but it's just the going to private school doesn't equate you know being holy mm -hmm. automatically that's good i think that also uh, really fits into the next myth uh, myth number three, they left because of me. It's all my fault. And the truth is, there are almost always multiple causes, and it's not all your fault. And I think this is, uh, this is a beautifully written part here. Not only is it a myth to believe that you're solely responsible for your child denouncing God or leaving church or drifting away, it can be utterly devastating. I've seen many parents become spiritually paralyzed through such guilt. And so there's that kind of thought, if ever, that you've thought that is, is one that the devil is obviously trying to subtly use to bring a lot of guilt and shame to you. But uh, it says here, uh, this is so beautiful, um, you can't make the decision for your children. We can drag loved ones to places where we think the Holy Spirit might strike, but we cannot climb into their skins and manip manipulate their free wills. Their faith decisions are between them and God, which means if they do drop out, we cannot legitimately be held responsible for that decision. Um, and so I think, like we're saying, I, I, I brought them to a catholic school i paid for that you drag them to a place where you think the holy spirit might strike but you can't manipulate or come or manipulate them into the free will of really you know having a free will open faith mm -hmm. uh, encounter with the lord yeah i think that um i think that a lot of uh Youth ministers even feel that way, not just parents, but like youth, youth leaders, youth ministers, coordinators in our community, like where you're given some sort of um, pastoral authority 
you know, over somebody and you're given some sort of um, mission to serve this person. And as much as you try to do that, uh, there's there's only so much that you can do. Like the, we all have the gift of free will. Um, so I don't think that I feel like that is an easy trap to fall into. I've fallen into it. Yeah, sure. that's a good one, actually. Like I know a lot of I know a, a, a youth ministry is a director of youth ministry at his parish. And then they, their uh, kids go off to college and all they can say is like, when you go to college, go find a Catholic uh, club or org or the Catholic ministry on campus. But at that point, they literally have to just let go. Um, I think I experienced that mm-hmm. then being in college. Uh, or working with campus ministry and thinking like, okay, this is the one, like all the people who come from youth and, you know, from high school and college is a majority when people lose their faith. So if we can encounter them here, then they won't lose their faith. And then I met a lot of people and, and did a lot of campus ministry with people uh, who after college still had a struggle with or having to do i continue with ministry do i continue like really fervently uh practicing the catholic faith and so that uh journey of uh i guess ownership and taking responsibility for your faith it it, at some point it has to come from them and so i think it's just that's what is so beautiful about this myth here is like you cannot if you spend your whole time in your own value based on whether or not your peers or your friends or your children are practicing catholics then you're getting distracted from uh you know your real purpose All right. How many myths is that so far? That's three. So there's only two to go, but these are a bit shorter. I think we'll end on time, whatever the time limit is. (laughs) Myth number four, they won't listen to me. It's just impossible to have a discussion about faith, which I, I put frustration in that because I think there's lots of people who, lots of parents, especially who feel that frustration, uh, feel like that's where they are with their kids when it comes to faith. The truth, this is powerful. Your first goal should be to listen to them, mm-hmm. not talk at them. Through listening, conversations will start to bear fruit. Um, and so it says this, uh, the, the most important tactic is to stop talking at your child about the faith and to start listening to his opinions and feelings. For instance, instead of nagging your child about why it's so important for him to start going to mass again, ask why he's decided to stop going. Instead of inquiring why he no longer believes in God, ask what changed his mind. If he takes issue with the church's teaching on contraception, homosexuality, or divorce, ask what bothers him most about it? Leading with questions and an attitude of listening can open up even the most cold-hearted young person to conversation. Cold-hearted young people these days. <laughs> These cold-hearted young people. These cold-hearted young people. Yeah, I feel like that speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, and he says uh we'll cover this more later in the book and learn specific tips and strategies so again that was the tip of the iceberg but if this resonated with you for real i i 
think uh, maybe you're called to <laughs> buy this book and, and read a little deeper. So we'll do the last myth. Number five, it's hopeless. No matter what happens, my child is never coming back to the church. That's so sad. Yeah, and I definitely feel for anybody who has legitimately felt this. That's why the truth that uh, our author here writes is, it's never hopeless. God will never give up on your child, and neither should you. It's so powerful. He just writes here, one thing you must know, deep in your bones and with absolute certainty is that God will never give up on your child. Nobody wants to see your child return to the faith and be saved more than God does. St. Augustine affirmed that God loves each of us as if there were only one of us to love. He loves your child infinitely. His love, concern, and desire have no limits. And I just think I'm choking up because it's so powerful. Like, the we read a book like this and we think about all the reasons why and for our peers or for our children and i think just to really root it in well even if you do even if you're you just can't fathom a way that uh, your friend your child could come back to the faith god has not given up. Amen. I think um, definitely one thing to keep in mind is just the fact that um, any search for truth, any any desire for any spirituality, even if it's like the most ridiculous thing, you know, like the it's um, you you see your friends or family, um, you know, like trying out different things or like falling into things that seem pagan or like you know more ritualistic or whatever any desire for uh truth and beauty and and you know love is is a desire for god um which leaves the door wide open you know for for a return to the church because um as many converts can tell you that a continuous search for the truth um will ultimately lead you know to God's love and mercy and the fullness of that, I believe, is in the Catholic Church. Um, it's the most complete, you know, uh, we, ha- we have so many, we have so many um, avenues, you know, to God through the sacraments, through the virtues that we, um, that we um, strive for through um, the entire history of the church. Uh, so um, don't lose heart. For anybody out there who uh, who really got struck by this topic, um, I fell away from the church for almost seven years, I think, um, by my mom and her prayers and Mama Mary's intercession and by many different invitations to serve, invitations to go to events, quiet moments by myself. You know, even suffering, uh, God God will always be working in so many different ways that we can't even see um, in order to bring all of his children back to him. Uh, so thanks, Pat, for joining us. Is there any like last messages that you wanted to share before we end? I think that's it. Just uh, I definitely because we're in a family ministry, uh, this is a topic that it just feels like 
I mean, this again uh, via Facebook ad like this just fell into my lap, but I think it's something that maybe uh, for those of us who are part of Couples for Christ, it's it's something that every single parent uh, has the question mm-hmm. of. And we just haven't, at least until now, had tangible, concrete guidance. And so I'm just really praying that this could be, just start to open the door for us to really have a real approach to bring back our brothers and sisters, to bring back uh, sons and daughters, uh, just back to God, back to the church, back to community even. And so I think I just take it as a sign that God is also, yeah, again, not giving up. Like he's giving us new ways and new approaches and new understanding. And so uh, let's do this together. Definitely, uh, like Tina said, it's not by any one person's uh, singular ability to convince somebody (laughs) or or to drag somebody, (laughs) but we really have to do it together um, from all angles from the peer angle from the parent angle Mm -hmm. from the friend angle so yeah let's just uh pray together and also uh try to draw our brothers and sisters back together amen and as always there's there's the church triumphant that are constantly working on that for us when we're not even uh when we're doing going about our daily lives so um Pat, would you do uh, us the honor of just doing a quick prayer, um, maybe specifically for all of our friends and family um, who have uh, fallen away from the church, just that um, that we stay, you know, united with them um, through Christ and um, that they can continue their pursuit of the truth and of love and mercy. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, uh, loving Father, just thank you uh, today for reminding us how far-reaching your love is. Uh, Lord God, thank you for reminding us that those who we might see as fallen away are still not out of reach of your embrace and of your love. Um, for giving us ways, Lord, that we could begin to approach them, that we could begin to understand them more. Um, And Father, we just thank you for this image of hope, Um, just reminding us, Lord, that you are the Father in the prodigal son parable, Lord, that just one step back towards you and you will run the rest of the way. Lord God, for every uh, son or daughter, for every brother or sister, for every peer or coworker or friend who anybody uh, really pains in their heart that they're not as close to you as they once were. Um, Lord God, we just pray uh, for them in this moment that they would be able to have an encounter with you, whether that's through another person, whether it's through nature or through music or through a chance encounter or a video they watch. But Lord God, just continue to plant these seeds and these little reminders that 
Um, you have never stopped loving them. And Lord God, we know it will be your love which draws them back um, to the church and, and to a uh, fully uh, vibrant relationship with you. We entrust it to you, Lord God, and we ask that you would rid us of any shame or guilt that we feel. Uh, allow us, Lord God, to just accept any things, any faults that we made, um, and that we could just be used by you, Lord, to lovingly bring whoever it is you call us to reach out to back to you. This we pray. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, Tina. God bless everybody. Thanks for joining us. God bless. High five. High five. <laughs> High five. I've always wanted to do that. High five. <laughs>